Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Those are good songs that we sang tonight. Think of people that are crying and overcome with sorrow. We could come sing songs like that. Isn't that a, a beautiful uh, arrangement there? That's, that's, that's beautiful. The leaves aren't doing very good outside this year. I guess it's because of all the rain or something. I don't know what makes a difference. But uh, not too many bright reds and yellows. Kind of a dull, but you can come in and look at that. So good to be back with you. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell my prayer request. I visited a guy over in Butner before I came here tonight. And uh, he, he said he sent me a letter. He, used to, he attended our church for a while. Uh, guy just, he's basically in prison just because he didn't control his temper, you know. But they got him on meds and everything else. But uh, he says he believes in the Lord, but I don't think he really wants to get out. You know, he's depressed about being there, but uh, he could get out. I think this passage that we're looking at tonight proves that. Uh, but in Luke chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, It came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. That's the Old Testament law, so uh, theologians and so forth which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, certain men brought in a bed a man who was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling in his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts... I actually, I think he probably heard them talking about it. There's been a few times, you know, you, particularly folks who can't hear well, <laughs> talking during the service, they talk too loud, you, you hear them. I, I suppose these wanted to be heard, but they were objecting. Anyway, um, verse 21, I read again, the scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether well, it is easy, easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house, 
And immediately he rose up before them and took of that wherein he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. My message tonight is titled, Faith or Defiance. Um, I think we had some of the smartest men in the world uh, gathered when they wrote our Declaration of Independence. Um, all of them have been influenced by the Bible, but certainly not all of them were Christians by any means. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was uh, pretty much a reprobate, I think, in a lot of his life, and he was a, a deist, and there were others as well. I think there were quite a few Christians there, but all those smart men, including Franklin and uh, Thomas Jefferson and others, they said this. They said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Now, they said that was self-evident. So there wasn't any atheists there. It said it's an obvious thing. Anybody with common sense, anybody that's got eyes, anybody that's got a brain in their head, anybody that's rational, it is obvious to them that we're here because we've been created and that, that you know, God has endowed us with certain rights and so forth. So, um, so they talked about self-evident truth. I was trying to explain this to a Bible study that I taught her of this retirement center near Chapel Hill. And I said, uh, you know, if somebody's crawling up the side of a, a building, climbing up, and they're going up about 10 stories, everybody's below is, and that's because gravity is self-evident. Now, I don't know if the earth actually pulls us down, you know, who knows. But it's obvious that if you're up in the, in the air, and you don't have anything under you, you're going to hit the ground. It's self-evident. Everybody knows it. And the Bible says that truth, a lot of truth, is self-evident. Uh, in Proverbs 21, verse 30, a friend pointed this out to Well, Dwight Creech, he, he spoke here one time. But Proverbs 21, 30 says, There is no uh, wisdom nor understanding nor counsel against the Lord. And I uh, didn't really didn't remember it really being aware of that verse before, but I've, I've taught the folks for years, ever since I first got there, you don't need to be worried about a college professor, a guy with, he's got three or four PhDs. If you know the Bible, there's no evidence against the truth. There's no argument that they can win. You don't need to be afraid or be intimidated by somebody if, if you know the Bible. There's no argument against it. Uh, and, of course, Romans 1.20 says the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. And so Christianity is a, a religion of evidence. It's a religion of facts. Uh, this book tells us everything that we know. It defends the truth. It's, faith is just not some kind of thing that we make up or we hope or whatever, you know. It's based on evidence and fact. And there's no argument, no sound argument against it. 
is truth, so, you know, anything against it is a lie. And so the Lord Jesus, in his presenting himself to Israel, he gave proofs of who he was, that he was the Messiah. And the things that he did, the miracles and so forth, were part of the proofs that Isaiah said that Messiah would give. He would give sight to the blind, he'd call the lame to walk and things like that. And so that's the primary reason for these miracles that we find in the Bible. But there's very two very different, totally opposite uh, responses to the Lord, to His person and to what He's doing in this passage. One of them is faith and one of them is defiance. And it might not appear that way right off, but if you look at the situation there in verses 17 and 18, it says, It came to pass on a certain day as He was teaching that there were Pharisees, that word literally is separatists, and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in to lay him before him. So uh, prior to this time, Jesus had already healed a leper. Uh, he had... Uh, I think I preached in Luke not when I was here the last time. Uh, but they, uh, you know, he'd preached in Nazareth. They tried to kill him there. Uh, he'd been preaching all over. You got the two major regions in Israel at that time. You got Judea in the south. and you, Well, three actually. You got Samaria in the middle, which are half-breeds, part Jews, part Gentiles. And in the north is the region basically of Galilee. And that's where Jesus, he'd come down, he'd go, gone down to the south to, to Judea to be baptized by John the Baptist. He'd been tempted in the wilderness there, but then he'd gone back north and carried out his ministry around Galilee. And that's where he spent most of the time because they were so hostile eventually uh, in Jerusalem where you know, all the religious, uh, most of the religious hierarchy was and so forth. So he's, he's been back in this region of Galilee around the Sea of Galilee uh, the largest city, probably Capernaum there, um, and other cities. And so it says that, it doesn't tell us what town or city he was in right here, but apparently he was in the house of a, a wealthy individual. Must have been pretty big to get a, you know, a big crowd inside. And because the house obviously had a, a roof, a flat roof with a wall around it, the Old Testament required him to do that. Uh, if you, you think about that, I, I grew up in the South. I guess I'm the oldest person here. Uh, and when I was a child, a lot of houses, I don't know if most houses, but they had screened-in porches because they just start, air conditioning was just barely getting started when I was a young person. Before that, you just had open porches. Well, you see a lot of these old houses, you drive through the country out here, they got a porches that surround the whole house because it would be hot inside in the evening. And you'd go out and sit on the rocking chair and talk to your neighbors. Well, what the Jews did was they, they would go up on top of the house and they could get breeze there while it's still, you know, if you got a brick house or adobe house or something like that, after it gets hot from the sun in the day, it's hot at night. So apparently this is a fairly nice house, uh, enough to hold a large crowd. And here are these Pharisees and doctors of the law 
It says they've come from Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem. They've come from all over the country to hear Jesus. And we know from the very beginning when John began his ministry, John the Baptist, that they came out to interview him and, you know, find out who he was. You know, who are you? John chapter 1 talks about that. It doesn't say these words exactly, but they were saying, who, who gave you the authority to do this, to go out preaching and baptize? You know, why are you baptizing? In other words, John was competition for them. And there's a lot of competition in religion. You, I guess you understand that. Um, and they were jealous. And so here they are. They've come to examine the Lord. Uh, his, he's been healing people all over the place. So everywhere he went, there were huge crowds coming. Um, and there is, the Lord puts the, his focus on five men. One of them's paralyzed. He's got the palsy. He, he probably couldn't move very little at all if he could. And so he's got four friends who have heard about Jesus, and Jesus said he saw their faith. So I would take that to mean that they had heard about him, maybe have heard him preach before. Maybe these four guys had come before, and they were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, and they put their faith in him. And this guy believed too, and they said, we got to get you over to see the Lord Jesus. He can heal you. And so they got there, but they can't get in. The house is packed inside. They got people all around the outside. And, uh, well, what can you do? Kind of going to a Trump rally today. You know, you can't get some people. Not exactly. I'm just kidding. Um, but they've come there. I don't know how far they've come. I suspect it probably wasn't too far if they're carrying that man. Probably there are other people there who realize they know this man's condition and so forth. But, Jesus is there to heal him. They're convinced that he can, convinced that he's the Messiah, but they can't get to him. So we got that's the situation. And then we see their exercise of faith in verse 19. It says, When they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop, and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. All right. Man, what faith these guys had. I don't know if they knew the person that was living there, but if somebody's tearing my roof up, I'd be upset about that. But apparently they would have had to fight through the crowd. You know how that is. You're standing in line or you're trying to do something. They're, they want to get Everybody else wants to get in and see or hear Jesus as well. This is a big phenomenon. Uh, can you imagine if uh, Jesus went to, one of the, went to the hospital down here in Raleigh and went in and just got rid of all the patients. Everybody was healed no matter what they had. I'm going to tell you, that place would be filled up within an hour of other people who were coming. And that's the way it is here. And so there's there's no way to get in. But these guys apparently fight to an outside stairwell and they go up on top of the roof, this flat roof, and then they start digging this guy's roof 
up, taking up the towel. And I guess they had some kind of ropes or something. They let uh, this man down who can't move himself right there over where Jesus is preaching and speaking to the people. And it says in verse 20, they, he saw their faith. I think I could have seen it in that point. Now, I can't see the heart. But if they're going to that trouble, they obviously have confidence that Jesus can meet this man's need. Um, and a, a court, by what he says to the man who's brought there, we would understand that it was more than just faith that he could heal. They, they must have believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Christ. Uh, and this crowd and all this was a test that they passed to prove that they did have faith. I was speaking uh, this week at uh, one of the, it's not really a nursing home, <clears throat> it's a rehab facility in Chapel Hill that we, <clears throat> I go speak every Tuesday and we have guys that go over on, on Sunday and preach too. <clears throat> Excuse me. But everybody there is in a wheelchair. Um, and, you know, I was just talking about faith and so forth and what it does. John the Baptist, Jesus said from the time of John the Baptist uh, until now, men press into the kingdom. And the idea in those passages is they won't be stopped. And we have some examples of that. Um, the Syrophoenician woman. And so here I am, and probably about uh, 75% of the, the patients there, they're, they're all getting some kind of therapy, but they've been there for years. They're not, you know, I don't really know what the situation is. They're not getting, most of them are not getting rehabbed and going home. They're, they're there. And about 75% blank. And so I said, you know, I was talking about, again, this type of faith. And I said, you know, Jesus said some very racial things. He, he was, he was uh, discriminatory. <laughs> so they looked at me like, what are you talking about? I said, don't you remember the Syrophoenician woman? She came to Jesus. He was begging him to help her, and he said this. Hey, you don't take food off the kids' plates and give it to the dogs. And I said, was that racial? And she said, he was calling her a dog because she was a Gentile. He was a Jew. But she said, Yea, Lord, but even the dogs get some crumbs from the table. In other words, she was not going to be insulted by a racial statement. I wish we had some people like that today. Here, that woman was determined... She, she knew who the Lord was, and she had faith in Him, and she was not going to be turned away. And we, we meet people all the time who seem to want to be saved or, or have some type of faith, but they're so easily offended. There's, there's, you know, they, some Christian doesn't greet them in church says, I'm never going back to that place. Okay, well, that's your choice. But these, that Syrophoenician woman didn't do that, and neither did these men. He says he saw their faith. All of them were confident 
about who the Lord was, and as a result of that, they would not be stopped. In fact, they even risked tearing up somebody else's house. I'm sure they refunded them afterwards. But it would be hard enough just to fight through the crowd. Then what are you going to do? Well, they'd tear up the roof and let somebody down. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, they knew that if they got to the Lord, he would reward them. He would reward their faith. Why is it we don't believe in God? You know, we pray, but I guess God's not going to answer. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Obviously, we had to pray according to his will, but he's going to answer our prayers. He's going to meet our needs. And so he did. He said, uh, uh, verse 20, when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. I'm going to tell you, that's a lot more important than healing his body. But um, the Lord provided. Now, what we then see is Jesus is opposed by orthodoxy. In verse 21, it says, And the scribes and the Pharisees, and they were the, they were the conservatives of that day. They were the ones that believed the Old Testament was the word of God. They, uh, they accepted all they believed was inspired. They were not like the Sadducees. So the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemy? In other words, they're, they're undermining what he said. They're ignoring the miracle that he's performed. Or these, well, he hadn't performed the miracle yet, but they're, they're saying he's a blasphemer because nobody but God can forgive sins. Well, they were right. Nobody but God can forgive sins. You know, you go into a little booth and tell your worst sins to a guy that's wearing a, a dress, and supposedly he can absolve your sins. That's not true. Only God can forgive sins. So they were orthodox, but they're calling Jesus a blasphemer. Now, this is the reason they had come. They wanted to disprove that Jesus was who everybody claimed him to be. Now, and again, that's there's, there are plenty of people that we're going to meet. You probably have already met. But they're, they, they use some part of the Bible to be against what the Bible teaches and what they believe is right. Uh, some of the most orthodox guys that you'll read about are Job's three friends. They say some great things in the book of Job, but they lied about Job. They wouldn't allow themselves to believe that anybody who's going through such trouble was innocent, that he was righteous, that messed up their part of their theology. And what we ought to do when we see or hear from the Bible is examine it and, and then, you know, as to whether that is what the Bible teaches and then start changing our thinking to line up with the Word of God. Well, they weren't there to do that. Um, and so we have a demonstration of Jesus' deity in verse 22 and following. It says, But when Jesus perceived their thoughts... He answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, 
or to say, rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that wherein he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Okay. He knows what they're saying. They're influencing other people. And so he said, okay, well, let me ask you something. Is it easier to forgive sins or to tell a man who can't move and maybe he hadn't been able to move for 20 or 30 years to get up and take up your couch and, then, and go home? He probably looked at him, and they probably looked at him, and they weren't going to say anything. But which is easier? Well, neither one are easy. They're both impossible. They're both impossible, and that's the point. So he's saying, I'm going to prove to you, you can't see by any demonstration that I can forgive sin, but if I show you that I can do only what God can do, then you will need to believe that I can forgive sin as well. So he tells the guy, you know, get up. And that's what he does. He gets up, picks up his bed, folds it up, and goes home. Now, one of our church members, Faye Tripp, she works for an eye doctor now, but she used to be an occupational therapist. Anybody know what an occupational therapist is? Occupational therapy is, is some therapist is somebody who teaches what you to to walk again or to use your hands again. In other words, you you've been incapacitated, and now you have the ability to. I mean, the uh, strength, the physical ability to do it, but you've got to learn again. You know, it's like me learning to type. I'm still learning to type, but uh, you know, you got to get your fingers coordinated and so forth. If you hadn't walked for a year. And there was some nerve damage, but the nerve it has been repaired. What about your muscles now? You got to re-strengthen those. Your your ligaments and so forth had to be had to be firmed up, and you got to learn coordination again. You got to learn how to walk. This man didn't. He told him to get off his bed. He's been paralyzed. Here's a guy that couldn't eat. He couldn't feed himself. He, he probably even had trouble swallowing liquid food. And he gets up, and he not only has the ability, but he's got the skill and all this, and he gets up and, and goes home. Now, all that was was to show that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, God in human flesh. And it was absolutely proven because he did what nobody else can do. Now, this is the primary reason for miracles. At the end of Mark 16, part of the Bible that's not really that, not supposed to be there, according to the scholars, you know, it says, and, they, and uh, they went forth preaching the word uh, with signs confirming. It's something I don't have the exact uh, wording right there. But the, the miracles were only for a short period of time to the Jews to prove, though, that the Old Testament system was being done away with and that all the types and stuff forth were being fulfilled in Christ. 
and that was the they had they proved that they the people should believe what they were saying because the, with the miracles that they performed. So here Jesus does this, and again he's given evidence that's undeniable, and he demonstrates that he's he's God. In fact. Of course, this passage also demonstrates the power of faith. In verse 25, it says, Immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house glorifying God. He was totally incapable physically. And that's where each of us has to see that we are. We're incapable of pleasing God. We're incapable of saving ourselves. You know, praying a prayer is not going to help us. Trying to be good is not going to help us. We have to see ourselves as totally incapable of pleasing the Lord, of meeting His demands. We have to be saved. Now, tremendous faith here. But verse 26 tells us, well, let's just look at it. It says, they were all amazed. Well, we ought to be able to understand that. If they knew, particularly if they knew that guy. Um, you remember when the, the Jesus healed the man that couldn't walk? And uh, the I guess it was the Pharisees, maybe the high priest, whatever, they were questioning about it. And he said, oh, he's blind. He said, one thing, one, one thing. He went to his parents and they said, well, is this your son that's born blind? He said, well, he's our son. You know, I don't, we don't know how he got healed. They were afraid to say anything. And, and he said to them, well, I was blind. I know this. I can see. That ought to be enough evidence for you. Um, but here they've seen this, and they are shocked. They're, they're astounded at what they've seen. These religious leaders from all over the country, and they're shocked. And everybody else, anybody there is shocked at what they've seen. They're amazed. Well, it says they glorified God. That was a good answer. Um, they acknowledge that this is the power of God that did this. What else could do it? So they're glorifying Him and praising Him. That's our primary purpose on earth is to give honor and glory to God. That was a good response. And it says they were filled with fear. Well, that is a right response too. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's not until we understand how hopeless we are before holy God and we start fearing God for that we know that he's a judge we know that he is, can place people in hell uh, and until a person gets to that point whatever kind of faith they have is not genuine the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and they were filled with fear in other words they realized here's a man you remember when Jesus was out in the boat with his disciples here comes this storm down just immediately. It's like a hurricane. It comes on that on the Sea of Galilee there. The winds, water is coming into the boat, and several of those guys are fishermen. They know that there's no way they're going to survive that. And Jesus is asleep. And uh, they wake him up, and they're, all, they're upset with him. And he just gets up and literally says, Shut up, not to them but to the wind and the waves, and it just, man, it just goes flat. No more howling winds. The boat's 
just everything's calm. And it says they feared God. They feared, they were afraid. Or Jesus, uh, Peter, just prior to this story, when they, they he took, said, told, told uh, Peter to take the boats out and cast out their nets and, you know, Peter said, well, we've been fishing all night. I've been doing this a long time, Jesus. You know, just because you asked to, I'll, I'll put out one net. And they start hauling in fish. Somewhere that boat starts sinking. They bring the other boat out there. Then the nets break, and they fill that boat full of fish, and it, both of them are sinking now. And what did Peter do? Right there in the middle of all those fish, he fell on his face and said, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. You see, there are some things that are self-evident. If a guy can do this, he's somebody we ought to fear. He, he's somebody that has power. But look at the last part of verse 26. This is their conclusion. Well, we've seen some strange things today. And that means... Well, we've got all this evidence, but we just can't make a decision yet. These other guys had already made their decision. They had faith. They went to get to the Lord, but here, these, these I think primarily the religious guys, they're saying we just don't have enough evidence to believe. This is strange. I, I can't explain it. I don't really know what's going on here. But I know this, it's not enough evidence to know that Jesus is the Son of God and He's the Messiah and the Savior. You know, I, it's hard to understand this. Honestly, I, I'm not just trying to ridicule somebody else. How could anybody go up in the mountains of North Carolina about this time of the year go up on um, Pilot Mountain or something like that. Have you ever been up there? Look out over there when the when you got leaves of red and yellow and all, you know, just beautiful out there and look out over just a little minute speck of creation and say, man, that, that evolution must have taken a long time. How could anybody do that? How could we we know that on Earth, of course, <laughs> they had to believe in aliens too. You know, we're the smartest thing on Earth, the most in, most intelligence, and to have all the knowledge just of of one thing, one system, one part of it, and yet it's so vast. How could we not understand that all men are created? How could we not understand that? Well, part of it is because of the blindness of our sin, but a lot of it is just saying, well, there's a lot of evidence here about something, but I can't quite figure it out because I don't want to. If I figure this out, I'm going to have to uh, obey God. I'm going to have to repent. I'm going to have to let him control my life. That's the only logical, rational thing to do. 
And that's why young people grow up in a church. And they've got good parents. And they've got a preacher that preaches the word of God. And say, well, you know, I've seen a lot, but you're just not. And I just, I just can't believe. I just, where's the evidence? Well, the evidence is all there. It's just somebody saying, I'm not going to believe. And yet we do this sometimes too. When the pastor preaches something that crosses our lives lives or something, maybe we know it's going to cost us something in business or in our relationship with our family or something like that. And we say, well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not convinced. I just... Well, the Bible says the invisible things in the creation of the world are clearly seen. And these men, they look innocent when they say, we've seen some strange things. We're still reasoning through it. And, you know, it does take us a while sometimes to pick up on things. But they had all the evidence they needed. All the evidence they needed. We ought to be studying the Bible and receiving it. Jesus said this about his sheep in John 10. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. About the time that I got saved, there were I was went to a liberal church. We had a young college student started teaching our Sunday school class, and all of us had this initial interest in learning the Bible. We started a Bible study apart from church that he taught, and then we got once he graduated, moved on. Uh, we got somebody else to teach it. But when I, I look at their lives, I wonder how. Why don't they have more evidence of growth and of genuine salvation in their lives? Well, if you have faith, you will seek the Lord. You will know and learn and you'll follow the Lord. And again, it's not because of evidence, a lack of evidence. It's just defiance. And so I, I trust the Lord will maybe some that need to question your own salvation or admit that you don't know the Lord and surrender to Him and trust Him. I think that's the big issue in repentance. And maybe as Christians that are arguing against the preaching of our pastor, teaching the Bible in our Sunday school classes, and quit saying, well, there's some strange, I heard some strange things today. That's something to think about. It's something to think about. And just start surrendering to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these pictures from real life. As we look at other people's lives and their decisions, their reactions and actions, and, of course, Lord, they reveal 
what's going on in our hearts and minds as well. Help us be like these five men who determined to get to you and put their faith in you and they wouldn't be hindered, they wouldn't be stopped. And they received a reward for their faith. Help us to be like them. Help us to press onward and to try to secure for ourselves all the blessings that you desire to give to us. And Father, I pray for any person here tonight who's like these, who just wouldn't accept the testimony, the evidence, because they didn't want to surrender in faith to you. If there's someone like that tonight, Lord, I pray that instead of defying you, they would submit to you in faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.